Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. If you're really listening to this passage, this is all you heard. Only the thing is, if you're listening to the whole passage, you'd realize that, well, and if you knew anything about the ancient world, this passage actually would have probably gone right over the heads of most people listening in their day. What was offensive at that time is what Jesus says at the end. Who are my mother, my brother, my sister, my father? It's not flesh and blood. It's those who belong to the way. Now, I don't really have a polemical bone in my body, so I'm not really trying to say, oh, here, there's a hit for you who are way into family values. Families are great. Family values are great. But really, just like in our own day, back then, the real scandal was just that. Jesus is coming into the world, and he's shaking things up. And he's saying, the family, our new families, are not necessarily flesh and blood. And a lot of us can resonate with this, right? A lot of us, especially those of us who have run away to New York City, have maybe run away from their families of flesh and blood. A lot of times, for some people, families really weren't there for you. The good news of this text, the scandal of this text, is that we have a new family in Jesus Christ. And that new family is made up of the people you are sitting next to and around. Now that's still a scandal to this day because despite the fact that there are about a hundred of us in this room, we're all humans with our own wills and We get in each other's nerves, and we would rather not put up with the person next to us. In fact, maybe we we don't want a family at all. (laughs) But that really is the scandal of this text. But I'm going to zero in on what is Jesus talking about when he mentions this unforgivable sin, a sin against the Holy Spirit, which is an eternal sin. My friends, my hero, who I talk about all the time, Fleming Rutledge, talks about this so well. She talks about the scriptures, particularly Paul and Mark, in such a way that recaptures the apocalyptic atmosphere of the New Testament milieu, of what Jesus is getting at. When Jesus comes into the world, God in Jesus does not enter neutral territory. This is an occupied space. Today is the anniversary of the D-Day invasion. And thanks to D-Day, we preachers have an illustration all the time for what it was like when Jesus came, when God became one of us. It was the D-Day invasion. And that is what we see in Jesus' rhetoric in this text. Now, of course, it's rhetorical. Rest easy, right? His mother and family says that Jesus has an unclean spirit And yet, at the end of the gospel narratives, we see Mary at the foot of the cross. And we see Mary, throughout church history, glorified. Blessed be her name to all generations. 
So calm down. This is the same thing as when Jesus says, you know, if, you, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. This is rhetoric. Nobody in the history of the church has said, because your hand committed a sin, you should actually cut it off. But I don't want to make it say, well, it's just rhetoric so we can throw it away. Jesus' intensity, he is intense, because the battle is real. Again, he has not entered neutral territory. But the scriptures maintain what Paul makes clear is that you and I are slaves. Slaves to powers. He personifies them in sin and death. Satan. You and I need to be rescued. You and I need to be liberated. And that, my friends, is what Jesus has just done in this text. He's exercised people of demons. He's healed the sick. He has liberated those around him from the powers that oppress them. These religious leaders, they come in and they see it, and they don't deny it. But how do they explain it? They say, well, he with the power of Beelzebul, he casts out the devil. With the devil's power, he casts out demons. Jesus says that's absurd, right? Why would Satan cast out Satan? But what he's really getting at there is his image of the strong man, that parable he uses about the strong man who has entered the house, needs to be tied up, needs to essentially be eliminated of his power. According to Mark, that is what Jesus has come to do, to tie up the strong man, the powers of sin, death, and the devil. This is part of the good news. This is part of the forgiveness of sins. But it's another aspect. Theologians call it the Christus Victor aspect, which is, is a fancy word for the fact that Christ is the victor, that Christ came into ground that was occupied by the enemy and has liberated us. And when he's talking about sinning against the Holy Spirit, he's saying that if we are to see Christ's work of liberation, of forgiveness, of freedom from oppression, and we say, oh, that's the work of the devil, then we have no idea what it is that Christ came to do. What I think is interesting about this text is it's, it's, you know, it's not the crowd, the crowd, the everyday people, the working class people. They, they come to Jesus in droves. It's the people like Nancy, Jim, and me. We're the ones who, you know, just we want our power. We want you to look to us. We'll tell you how to live. We'll tell you how to believe. We're the ones who see slaves being freed, of the oppressed being liberated, and we're saying that that's the work of the devil. You see what Mark's doing here. I think in our Christian circles, we don't really emphasize this aspect of our faith all that much. That again, the powers of sin, death, and the devil are very real. And they're on the move. They're on the prowl. But our Lord, our God in Jesus, came to plunder the strong man, to conquer the world. And that's why when we, we just read the epistle lesson, right? This is why St. Paul 
can say something like this. And I don't know about you, but I resonate with this more than the victory passages of Scripture. We do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. I was talking to Jim Monroe earlier this week about this passage, and Jim said, make sure you emphasize that that slight momentary affliction oftentimes feels very long. You know how a lot of people tell you life is short? Go out and enjoy it. Well, I don't know about you, but this past year, life was long. Sometimes we're just, I don't even know. Lord, come quickly. But the reason why Paul can write this is Paul believes beyond a shadow of a doubt that the God-man in Jesus who has entered occupied territory has won. We don't really know, understand what that means because you and I live in the midst of this affliction. The work obviously has not reached its fulfillment. But Paul makes clear that in Christ, the D-Day invasion occurred. Christ, God in Christ, has stormed those shores, and it is a matter of time. But we live in the Battle of the Bulge. We live in this not-so-momentary affliction. Our Lord, with his rhetoric, is making clear to us that things are not okay, that you and I are not okay, that we need a Savior, that we need healing, and we need it now. What Jesus is saying here, what the scriptures are saying, is I have won the victory, but the battle is real, and you and I are in it. But the good news, the good news of the gospel and let us not forget this. Sometimes I, you know, I like to poo-poo the idea of heaven or whatever because scholars like to do that. But look at this. We have a promise here. An eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. We look at what we see, but this is what we cannot see. This affliction is temporary, but we cannot see is eternal. My friends, the battle is real. And you and I are in the midst of it. And you and I can't accomplish it. But you and I are engrafted in to get on board with what God has already done and what God is doing in Jesus. The powers of sin, death, and the devil are very much at work. And we will experience affliction. And I don't know about you, but I've brought my own affliction to this place this morning. But the promise of the gospel, the promise of these texts, the promise of what blessed St. Paul is saying here is nevertheless we have hope. We are not those who wander around without hope. Our hope is real because our Lord resurrected from the dead. Our Lord, our Jesus is alive even now completing his work for you and for me. 
So whatever you bring, whatever affliction you bring this morning, I was about to say bring it to the table, but stay put and we'll bring the table to you. That's probably more theologically right anyway. God in Jesus is meeting us in these ordinary means. God in Jesus is continuing his work in your ordinary acts. But rest assured, friends, our Lord, who talks about the unforgivable sin, goes and dies for those whom he calls unforgivable. Our Lord is so good. Our Lord is moving towards us, despite us, so much that that passage that we all love, greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Well, our Lord went a step further. Our Lord laid down his life, not for his friends, but for his enemies. So if you read this text and you come away with fear and foreboding, cast that thought away. Our Lord is for us, but our Lord is not denying that the battle isn't real. Our Lord is affirming that your affliction is real. My affliction is real. And yet, in some mysterious sense, Christ has conquered it. Christ is putting it under his feet. And when he comes again, we will experience in its fruition that great joy of these afflictions melting away, of love being our reality. So friends, fear not. Come to the table. Be made well. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.